0: Oh. <laughs> Welcome back to Citizen the Pod. On today's episode, I got the opportunity to speak with two awesome women from the Advancement Project during the Netroots Nation conference last weekend held in Philly. If you're not familiar with Netroots Nation, it's the largest gathering of progressive activists, grassroots organizations, and political leaders of the year. So we got to speak a little bit about the work that the Advancement Project does and a really important study called the Democracy Rising. It discussed The passage of Amendment 4 in Florida and also what motivates young voters of color to head to the polls or even get engaged in their communities. Stay tuned. Hey, citizens, it's Kina Zantel. It has been a long time since we've had a chat, but I'm here live at Netroots with some really cool people who are out here on the front lines, getting it done, getting us engaged, getting us ready for 2020. It's around the corner. I'm excited. They're excited. So let me jump right in. So I'm sitting here with Jerilyn and Denise of the Advancement Project national office so they're like i mentioned before they're on the front lines they're getting the work done and they've been doing some great work to protect our right to vote so ladies where should we start what does the advancement project do and how does that relate to voter rights and voter disenfranchisement
1: Advancement Project is a civil rights, racial justice organization that works. Our model is that we work with grassroots partners on the ground to support the issues that they care about. And Mm. that's really critical um, because it's all about giving people a voice, giving mm-hmm. people a say in the matters that affect their own lives. And that's why we work to protect the right to vote. Mm-hmm. It's not an academic exercise. Right. If you care about your children's education, if you care about how your housing and your health care and um, criminal justice reform and policing, then you want to be able to have a say in what's happening in your own community. Yes, and when, And that is exactly why... Um, we see efforts to strip people of the right to vote yes. or impair people's right to vote because uh, people in power don't mm. want to give up that power. Right. Uh, and, and they don't want to um, facilitate the rising power of people of color mm. there who are rising up in this country. And so we work to make sure that everybody has the right to vote so that they can do the things they want to do right. and they can speak out their truths and mm-hmm. their voices.
0: Mm. So for you, what does the advancement project mean to you and the work that you're doing?
2: So when it comes to voting rights, I think... What's very special about Advancement Project is we really have a model that is rooted in um, a community model that recognizes the genius of quote-unquote ordinary people. Mm -hmm. Um, So we work with uh, brown and black communities and we do it with a racial justice lens. And so the legal strategies that we use, the communication strategies that we use um, are not us parachuting as a national organization. They are co, Created, we co collaborate with partners to really strengthen and build capacity in their organizations. But at the same time, I think we try to strengthen uh, different networks that are uh, already apparent on the ground Mm -hmm. and then we try to support them through their campaigns and so it's a real model that I think builds capacity for the long term Mm -hmm. and when it comes to voting rights we know that folks who are really um, invested in voter suppression Mm -hmm. are really invested for the long term they're thinking 20, 30 years ahead Mm -hmm. so it is our job to think about um, not only defensive strategies but the ways that we can really actualize the vision that communities want to see for themselves Mm -hmm. Um, and really that's what energizes folks so with 2020 coming up it's even more important but it's really really important for the long term that folks are able to access the ballot and so it's been a pleasure working with Denise and other folks in our voter protection program Mm.
0: So this is definitely the work that we see happening across the country, and it's extremely important that we continue this fight. Um, it's funny that you mentioned like the long game, and because we were recently. Well, recently, we've seen how Florida has decided to walk back a mandate by the people to allow felons to vote. I mean, they're legitimately putting together a poll tax program that we know is unconstitutional. Um, We've seen what happened in Georgia, you know, closing. Voting booths down in predominantly black and brown communities, um, purging 80,000 people from their voter rolls. It happened, I believe, in Kentucky as well. There was a few states, and we've talked about this on other episodes. Uh, So it's just, it's becoming even more important for us to also just like exercise that right too so when you guys are out in a community and people talk about voter disenfranchisement do they fully understand the levels in which people are going to go to keep them from the voter booths? like is it sinking in that this is something that people really want to just take from us and it's just about like you said maintaining power I think it's really more about talking about how we
1: build power Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, people realizing that they have to exercise that voice in order to be able to fight the forces Mm -hmm. that want to hold back their their power. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean... We're looking at changing demographics in this country. Right. That's why, make no bones about it. That's why we are seeing this spate of voter suppression laws across the country. Right. Because we know yeah. that America is going to be a majority non-white nation in just a few years. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, that's inc- that's an incredible opportunity, and we mm-hmm. need to capture. That opportunity, so people can seize upon the power that they have. And that's how we fight
0: these right. measures.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I, I am convinced at the end of the day that we are going to defeat these measures and strip so am I. Of their of their rights. Um, unfortunately, you know, this, these suppressive efforts feed upon themselves, and and when because voting is all about dignity. It's yes. how society tells you you matter. Literally, we count you. Yes. So if you are deprived of the right to vote, it says you don't count. Right. And so it's no wonder that people whose rights have been um, trampled upon, not just for dec- decades, not just for generations, but for centuries,
0: mm-hmm.
1: are ha- are disillusioned by that process. yes yeah.
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> Nobody believes my, my voice matters. Why should right. I exercise should my I w- voice? Yes. And, and, and that's the challenge, I think, because it's precisely by exercising those voices, their voices, people's voices, that they can overcome mm-hmm. these efforts to hold them back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to go
2: back to something you said mm-hmm. about... When it comes to disenfranchisement, uh, do the folks that we encounter are they really aware mm-hmm. about the level of sophistication and, and all of the ways mm-hmm. that um, structures are making it harder for them to to actually access the vote um, i think on I think on some levels, yes, but mm-hmm. I would also say that there are some um, I think sometimes people don't realize the extent to which the, the, the various tactics that are being used are coordinated mm-hmm. and are strategized. So they're not by happenstance. Okay. So in Florida, when we think about felony disenfranchisement and in, in the writing of the report Democracy Rising, which came out earlier this year... Mm-hmm. Um, what we really found in our research and this was original research that our staff did was that felony disenfranchisement actually keeping people who've been convicted of felonies doesn't mean that they've ever been incarcerated right some of these folks are people who got community service they um, were all put on probation but there's a whole class of folks who um, are disenfranchised and how that really Creates and adds to a web of disempowerment. Mm. And so we found correlations of felony disenfranchisement and how disproportionately that impacted black and brown communities, right? right? Mm-hmm. Um, which was the original intent mm-hmm. um, during Reconstruction. Right. Um, And then when we look at everything from poverty levels to uh, educational attainment to child poverty, that all of those are really linked, Mm -hmm. right? It's not a coincidence that we see all of those disproportionately impacting black and brown communities, but that we see these same instances and indicators of, of of decimation um, in these communities as well. Uh, as well, so it's it's not a coincidence. It's it's by design. Mm. And so when we. Um, when we have done work in Florida, and we recently had, have done a series of hearings in Florida around the state of voting rights, and this was this past uh, spring. Okay. And we did five people's hearings where we actually went to um, Latinx communities and spoke with folks in Orlando, in Tallahassee, in Jacksonville, in Miami-Dade. And what we were hearing was um, that folks were aware of things like the way that language access was not available, mm-hmm. the way that polling locations, um, did not have enough voting machines. Mm-hmm. The way that misinformation was actually being provided to voters, people understood that. But sometimes they might not understand that it's the same people who are closing the polling yes. locations, who are ordering the police to go up and down the lines mm-hmm. on election days, who are making the decisions to cut early voting. It's the same people. Right. Um, and it, it's... It's intentional. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's something that um, on one level people are aware of. They know that these things are happening, but I think they are not always aware uh, in how much in concert Mm -hmm. the same people, the same actors Mm -hmm. are making these decisions, which compound Mm -hmm. and lead to outcomes of basically
1: disempowerment Mm -hmm. and I think disenfranchisement.
0: Right, right.
1: But I think that there... This is what I I think people are starting to connect the dots. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the example I'll use is from uh, my hometown of St. Louis. Mm Okay. Right. Um, After the... And and young people in particular. Yeah. You know, young people who are the... Who have the lowest rates of voter turnout. Young people of color in St. Louis are the ones that are changing the the landscape. Mm. And they're the ones that are um, changing who the prosecutors are. Right. Right. So after the Ferguson uprising... Yes. They parlayed that energy uh, into an electoral strategy. Exactly. And they, young people of color, organized went door to door, did voter registration in Mm -hmm. communities that nobody had visited in A long time. (laughs) Right. And they successfully ousted a thirty year incumbent prosecutor who refused to prosecute the officer who murdered Mike Brown and elected the St. Louis County's first
0: African American prosecutor yes that was an amazing story to me that's like i think that is probably the first example that i use when i talk to people about channeling our anger and our frustrations into a political process that can allow us to get the right people in places of power to protect us awesome and so
1: when generally talks about these these things being not accidental and connected Mm -hmm. it's not just that all of this all these issues about voting suppression are connected. It's structural su- structural discrimination, mm-hmm. structural oppression. Overall, yes, is all connected, mm-hmm. right? right? So when Black and Brown people don't come out to vote, that's how uh, a white prosecutor
0: keeps his keeps job keeps his job for thirty years for thirty years,
1: right? <laughs> and so that 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 realization that there's power there mm-hmm. to change who's on the school board, to change who's on the city council, yes. Right. Mm-hmm. So Mike Brown's mom ran for city council this exactly. last year in Ferguson. Awesome. In yeah. a community that, when Mike Brown was killed, had an all-white city council.
0: Right. Of course. <laughs> of course they did. Right. <laughs> no, they don't, they I agree. Don't anymore. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I was looking at um, the voter the voter turnout rates before the Ferguson uprising, where where at like seven percent. It was pretty low. Um, but after, you know, after that whole ordeal and just the traumatic experience as a community, it, they knew it was time. They knew it was time. And I'm hoping other communities don't have to have another Mike Brown, yeah. you know, in order to get us to move. But I think the tide is turning because, as you both mentioned, young people are, are pulling this wheel and this train no matter what. It's, you know, no matter what the circumstance is. So you talked a little bit about Democracy Rising, this study, and that's what brought us together, which is so cool. I just happened to go to this nice panel, meet this very lovely woman who was just like, feeding my mind with like awesome information. So this Democracy Rising study is super cool, but basically what I thought was super important about it was it talked about what were the issues that can bring young people of color to the table? What energized them to vote? So if you can give me a little synopsis on that.
2: Yeah, so um, one thing I would say is that um, Advance for Project has been part of a racial equity anchor uh, collaborative with a number of grantees from the W.K. Kellogg Foundation. Mm -hmm. And um, a little bit after Democracy Rising was um, released, Collectively, we did um, some research that was contracted by Heart Research, and basically, on the eve of the June 2018 midterm elections, mm-hmm. we did an online poll of thousands of millennials of color, with oversampling of um, Asian and Pacific Islanders and Native populations, because sometimes they are um, n-
0: yes, not even counting. Not
2: even on <laughs> the, They're not even uh, part of the survey. Right. Um, And basically, it really lined up with Democracy Rising in the sense that what we just said, young people really were motivated and felt that things needed to change. Mm -hmm. And what we saw after the election was that millennial um, young voters of color had the highest turnout in any midterm election than in the prior 25 years. Um, And it really makes sense because the number one motivating factor that um, motivated young people of color to get out to vote were uh, issues of racial justice. Mm. So when we say that, we say things like, um, that specifically things like police brutality, institutional racism, right? Mm -hmm. These are issues that over the last two years. The administration, I think, has caused so much harm, whether it's the Muslim ban, whether it's Mm -hmm. the general attack on immigrants and the border, the whole border situation, but also Mm crimmigration and how we, in such a large way, have um, criminalized immigration and just people seeking asylum. Um, Talking about... Shit, whole countries, right? Like, these are real things that have happened that I think have mobilized and engaged millennials of color. Mm -hmm. And as a result, we did, right? We did this online uh, poll that showed that they were, you know, they were motivated and they were being motivated. And it makes sense because um, after the election, when the results were really coming back and the turnout data was coming back, we saw that they, you know, they were at the polls this time. Um, Particularly when it comes to Amendment 4 in Florida. One of the things that I think is important to know, and I think we've gotten to this, is that Felony disenfranchisement is a racial justice issue. Mm-hmm. Felony disenfranchisement um, was a way for states to silence the voices of black and brown communities. That was his intentional design. Yes. And so when we look at people who were motivated, we saw the dream defenders, we saw mm-hmm. young people at New Florida Majority, we saw um Flick, which is the Florida Immigrant Coalition, a Mi Familia Vota People and Stripes. All different colors, all different economic groups, who were really, I think, invested in overturning this, and that's one of the reasons why um, Amendment Four passed, you know, in such a huge way was that people really felt, I think, engaged at an issue level. Yes. Right. Mm-hmm. Beyond just who are you voting for? And mm-hmm. um, are you do you, you know? Can I get your candidate support level? Right? right. But they were talking about issues and being engaged in a way. Um, that really, I think, went beyond just like who are you voting for? What's your who's your candidate of choice? Right? <laughs> we were talking about issues that affected one in four Black men mm. in Florida. Um, to even get this on the ballot, um, it was noted that folks who were organizing this and this is the Florida uh, rights Restoration Coalition mm-hmm. and others, right, had to get ten percent of the voting population in Florida to even put the petition and put it on the ballot. Right. So with all that said, um, the research really confirms that when we look at millennials of color, and I don't wanna, I feel like I'm taking up a lot of space no. in this conversation, um, but the findings show that young people of color see um, volunteering and doing community service with organizations and nonprofits um, as or more important than voting. Mm. And so what it means is that it's a huge, huge opportunity that we have in this upcoming election and beyond, because it's not just about 2020, um, to engage these folks Beyond Election Day, Mm -hmm. so you know how are your schools being um, put together? Mm -hmm. What do you want your communities to look like? These are folks who feel that that is just as important as voting, and so what it means is that we have to go after millennials of color because by 2045, people of color are going to be the majority. Yes, and the folks who are going to be the largest one of the largest voting blocks are now what we call millennials. Mm -hmm. So if we can engage them early, engage them around issues, that means we can build a pipeline of folks who are like, I'm invested in my community, mm-hmm. I'm invested in power building, mm-hmm. and we can make sure that systemically their voice is heard. Mm-hmm. So it's it's just been, I think it just confirms what a lot of racial justice organizations have are, already known, know. right? We mm-hmm. have to be explicit about race in talking to millennials of color, but also um, the study just shows now we have the receipts.
1: Yes, we have the receipts.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, this is about power building.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely, and 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 as organizations, we have to move away from the sort of transactional nature yes. of the work. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know it. it yeah, maybe we file a lawsuit to challenge this particular photo ID law, but that's that's just one piece of a much bigger puzzle, right? Mm -hmm. This is about power building. This is about the long term. um, And each of these pieces are a a critical part of that infrastructure Mm -hmm. uh, because ultimately the goal is to create spaces for communities to build power. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And why? Because people deserve
0: to have self-determination yes. over their own lives and communities and communities. I mean, let me just drop the mic right now because I just feel like this that roots experience for me has been awesome. Okay? Like I have met some really wonderful women in the movement who are just like out here just glowing and working and like hopefully they're getting enough rest to do this work because we need them. Like we can't listen. We can't afford for you guys not to eat well. Get a little self care because, it, like you said, we're in it for the long haul. This is not. There is no short wins here. There is no short wins. We're gonna crush 2020. Then we're gonna have to crush 2022 because they're gonna be like, here's another hundred zillion million dollars mm-hmm. to try to stop us from here and out. As long as there are rich people, there are gonna be. There's gonna be someone who wants to. Keep what they have going and going for the long term. So we just gotta mm-hmm. assert ourselves, and it's time. So, is there anything left that you want to say to the citizens and the voters who are that's, who listen to this show all the time? Anything about twenty twenty? Like, what I should that gear up? What should do, What do you think? We gotta gear up, mm-hmm. and voting is a tool.
1: It's not. It, it, It's not the end in and of itself. Yes, it's a tool. To be able to build power and to be able to have the say and to be able to make change in in communities.
0: Awesome.
1: So to do that, it needs to be all hands on deck. We need to make sure everybody is registered. We need to stop barriers to the ballot. Yes. We need to make sure that all people are
0: able to cast the ballot on Election Day. Congresswoman Barbara Lee said today, all in during her um, speech. So we're all in. You're all in? We're all
2: in. I've sign everything Denise just said.
0: <laughs> all in. So listen, Netroots has been awesome. I want to thank my guests from the Advancement Project um, for talking to me and getting it done right before Senator Elizabeth Warren goes on. So thank you. Thank you. Thank Thank you. you I appreciate it. I appreciate it a lot. Netroots was cool. They're cool. Check out the Advancement Project. Are you guys online on Facebook? Is there? Yes. You can check us out at advancementproject.org.
2: You can find us on Twitter, which is ADV underscore project, just how it sounds Mm -hmm. P R O J E C T. And then um, Advancement Project National Office on Facebook. Connect with us online. and we're readily accessible. We we'd love to enlarge this movement, and um, yeah, we we just are excited about what's next.
0: Listen, people, get focused. It's time. We got all these people just out here working for the advancement of our lives, I mean, that's the least we can do is you just get excited. So citizens, y'all know the deal. If we can spend, send a hundred million men and women to war, we can send them to vote. Mm-hmm. So it's that time, 2020. It's citizen the pod. It's your girl, Kina Zantel, signing out from Netroots 2019. Hey. What's up, citizens, voters, patriots? It's your girl, Kina Zantel. And if you want to know more about me and the show, follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Kena Zantel. And also subscribe to my YouTube channel, Kina Zantel. And hit subscribe on all the podcast platforms that you're listening to the show on.